welcome to the Midlife Career Rebel, the podcast created for high-achieving professional women to gain the clarity, confidence, and courage they need to go after and get the life and career they want. I'm your host, Dr. Carol Parker-Walsh, lawyer, social scientist, brand strategist, executive coach, entrepreneur, and Midlife Career Rebel. Each week, you'll learn strategies to manage your mind, navigate the challenges of midlife, and take control of your career so you can thrive doing the work you love. So if you're ready to tear up that rule book and create your own, you're in the right place. And I can't wait to show you how. Merry Christmas, Rebels! Well, it's not quite Christmas, but we're only just a couple of days away, and I absolutely love this holiday season. In fact, I was born right in the middle of it, the day after Thanksgiving. Must have been something my mother ate. (laughs) In fact, so I guess it's in my blood. I'm a big fan of holiday gatherings, love the music, the food, and particularly the baked sugar goodies that I get to eat this time of year. I especially like showing my appreciation to people who have been a significant part of my life, whether it's a new acquaintance or someone who's been in my life for decades. But it's interesting, once Christmas comes and goes, it signals the end of the season and mentally the end of our holiday spirit, the thing that I love the most about the season. We all seem to collectively go back to normal like these magical moments and these magical months of the holiday season never really happened. Now, that's very similar to what we do regarding our confidence. It's like it comes in seasons instead of being present all year round. You notice that? So many of my clients struggle with a lack of self-confidence, of not feeling good enough, smart enough, or worthy enough to get what they want. And it comes from the narratives we've bought into that may have originated in our childhood, culturally, within our society, or through circumstances that we've internalized as the culprit, and that have caused us to create a bias against ourselves and our abilities to do, be, and have what we desire and deserve. I mean, I get it. For years, I had the unconscious narrative rolling around in my brain that said I had to quote unquote prove my worthiness by proving other people's ideas of me wrong. I called it the I'll show you syndrome, which fueled my desire for external achievements. Many of the women that I work with struggle with the same syndrome and are consumed by the idea of proving other people's thoughts wrong. You know, they're really, they're trying to prove other people's thinking of them wrong, right? And it shows up in the most interesting ways, like not being invited to a meeting, being interpreted as you're not being valued, or being told something vague by a manager, like how much they enjoy your coworker's contribution, but then you get upset because you feel like your contribution wasn't mentioned, or not getting the promotion you knew had your name on it, and interpreting that to mean that your boss is trying to sabotage your career, now, there may, there may be a desire to prove to your boss that they're wrong in each of these situations, and you may spend some time telling your friends how horrible your boss treats you and what a horrible place you work and, and look at the treatment you're receiving at the hands of your manager. But what's most likely going on is that you're questioning your own value and self-worth. And these incidents just triggered that internal thought pattern that was already in your mind. So now you feel the need to prove them wrong. 
that what they're saying about you isn't right, that you really are valuable, that you really do make a contribution. But the truth is what you really want to prove is yourself wrong. That thought pattern or that internal bias that we picked up about our self-worth and self-value. Now, this thought pattern, it probably originated somewhere through the course of your life. For me, it came from the story that I created about myself when the priest, who was the principal of my elementary school, awarded the kid who was second in our class, which happened to be a little boy. He gave the kid a scholarship to high school over me because he thought, even though I was first in the class, mind you, he thought basically I would end up pregnant and drop out of school by the time I was 16. Or it could have been when my high school guidance counselor tried to steer me into lower tiered schools, even though I ranked fifth in the class of over 250 women, was on the honor society, on the dean's list, etc. So these incidents and others planted a seed in my mind of not being good enough or worthy. But it got all twisty and crazy and tangly in my brain. And ultimately, what I believe was that it's not what I think about myself that matters. It's what others believe and think about me that matter. Right? I had to convince everyone around me that I was good enough through my achievements or what I accomplished. Right, The I'll show you syndrome. So once I would do that, then I would feel good enough and worthy. So once I proved to you and showed you that, no, you're wrong. I am smart. I am good enough. I am capable. That would only be proven by you then validating that back to me. Then I would feel worthy or good enough. I wasn't holding it for myself. Now, I have to admit, when I was able to uncover that narrative in my brain through coaching and a lot of self-work, I was floored. I mean, I didn't want to believe it, but then I could see the reality of this thought pattern in my behaviors over and over again. It was really surprising and shocking to me. I thought I just had a goal to achieve things. And yes, that is a part of me. But I also had to realize I had this underlying narrative that was playing out that was impacting my ability to feel really strongly confident in what I was doing and what I was creating. For example, I'd be devastated if after a slew of positive critiques or comments would come in over something that I did, if there'd be one single critique, I would be floored and that would consume all of my energy and all of my time, right? The I'll show you, like everything else was showing me and I would, you know, never mind that everybody else was saying I was amazing. It was the one person who said something that, that it wouldn't, it wouldn't even have to be really negative. It was just that they said something that I perceived or thought to be some type of invalidation of me or in the way that I would discount myself or discount my achievements and successes when I compared them to other people who seemed to be further along or doing more. Or they seem to be my age or where I am. So why are they further ahead than me and discounting all that I've achieved by looking at externally for myself, seeing what other people have done, and then discounting and devaluing myself. And listen, a strong, proud, successful, high-achieving women and women of color, this can be a really hard pill to swallow. 
But denying it doesn't help. It only causes us to grit our teeth, bear down and white knuckle our way through until we get to the other side. That no, I do value myself. I do feel worthy. I'm going to ignore what they say and I'm still going to move forward and do it. But we don't believe it. So we keep trying to fight against something in our own mind when we think we're fighting against what's happening external to us. And because we're so good at suffering and grinning and bearing it, and we have the battle scars, high blood pressure, migraines, acute stress and anxiety levels to prove it, that we have confused the white knuckling, gritting of the teeth, bearing down as self-confidence. And that's not what it is. Trying to push through and get through is not the way to build confidence because even though you get through it and to it, you still doubt and question yourself and you have to basically start all over again by gritting your teeth and white knuckling through. External circumstances, validation and achievements don't create self-confidence. In fact, it does the exact opposite. Because even if we are validated somehow, even if someone says something amazing, take my example of getting thousands or hundreds of great feedback and getting one critique, because of all the other positive critiques that came in, I doubted it. I questioned it. I wondered if everybody else was lying because that one person had something negative to say. And that's what we do. So even if we're validated, somehow we'll question it, we'll doubt it, and we'll wonder if we truly deserve it. Because there's this underlying belief that I'm really not good enough and worthy. And this one person saw it where these other people missed it. That's why people stay in positions for 10, 15 years complaining nonstop about not being valued by the organization, not loving what they're doing, not really feeling appreciated, but they stay because they don't feel confident enough to leave. They don't believe in themselves. They don't believe they can do better, have better, or get something better. So it's easier to stay and blame the company or blame the organization for everything that's going on because it's too hard to face what's happening inside your brain and the emotions of fear and self-doubt that all of that brings up. And so to avoid that, it becomes the external reason why you're not feeling the best that you possibly can feel is because of what they're doing that's really sabotaging you as opposed to your own brain, your own thinking and your lack of self-confidence. And most of us have self-confidence backward, right? Because we think if X happens, then we'll feel confident, right? If the manager does this, if so-and-so does that, then we'll feel confident. But external circumstances don't drive self-confidence. Again, take the example of getting all this great feedback and getting one person who says something horrible to me. You have to first believe it in yourself. And then that way, when you get stuff like that, it doesn't really matter. It's about being secure in yourself and your abilities, and it's about trusting yourself and believing that you are capable of getting or achieving what you want. It's not hoping or limiting yourself by a set of circumstances. Instead, it's trusting and believing without leaving any room for self-doubt. It's our thoughts about ourselves that generate or depletes our self-confidence. And that thought or belief is what gives us the feeling of confidence. 
then our feelings come from that thinking, not the circumstances, people, or events around us. So ultimately, it's the way we think about ourselves that will determine whether or not we feel confident. For example, a self-confident person will think they're good enough, worthy, and capable whether or not they get the promotion, land the job, or get appreciation from their manager. They'll think they're strong, competent, and capable regardless of what others think, say, or do. But shifting your thoughts to create a feeling of confidence and then actually believing it is a skill set that takes some work. Most of our beliefs have been recycled through these false narratives that we didn't even realize existed. Like the narrative I created from those school experiences, from the principal and the school counselor in my Catholic schools that I went to. Or by how much self-doubt and anxiety our negative beliefs have produced in our mind over and over it's, and it's hard to break these thought patterns, particularly when we've relied on them religiously for 20, 30, 40, or even 50 years. It's familiar. It's comfortable. It's predictable. So of course we're going to go back there. But getting what you want will often require discomfort. And self-confidence is about your ability to proceed in the discomfort and do it afraid and do it anyway. For years, I've told my clients that confidence is a verb. Now, the truth is confidence is a feeling, but progress increases self-confidence. Even when you're scared and have no idea the outcome, massive action helps to increase it. But notice I didn't say massive winning, massive achievement, or massive success. It's doing the thing regardless of the outcome and making it through the challenges and emotions to the other side. Most of us aren't self-confident because we're afraid of feeling those emotions. We don't want to feel any negativity, so we hide. We don't take chances. This leaves us scared to do anything that risks our perception of failure, of not achieving, of wondering what people will think, or of us feeling this internal negativity toward ourselves. But achievement is not the goal of self-confidence. That's a hard thing to swallow. And I'm going to say it again. Achievement is not the goal of self-confidence, right? It's a byproduct. It's not the goal. Instead, it's believing in your drive, your commitment, and your determination to do what it is you want or said that you would do. Self-confidence is a belief in yourself to do what it is that you want to do, regardless of what happens on the other end of it. Is you saying that you want to travel and going to do it? Is you saying you want to go after a job and going to do it? Is you believing that what you want is possible and that you're capable of making it happen? It's believing in your drive, commitment, and determination to do what it is you want or said you would do. It's believing you can do the hard things and still succeed. Not that you've already done something hard and succeeded, but that you can do something hard and succeed and that you have everything it takes to get what you want, that you're already fully equipped with what you need to get there. It's believing you're already competent and successful, whether you get the promotion or not. It's believing you've already made a significant contribution to your organization, whether your manager acknowledges it or not. It's knowing you can get that job you want when you want, when you set your mind to go after and get it. 
Now, of course, there may be times you'll need to augment what you already bring to the table. You know, for example, in the obvious things, you can't be a lawyer without going to law school or passing the bar. But the point is, if that's what you wanted to do, you're confident that you can ultimately achieve it. That's why it can really be helpful to make a list of things you've already achieved or accomplished to start training your brain to focus on what you can do instead of what you cannot do. It's the hundreds list that I've mentioned before that I give as an assignment to my clients to really lean into knowing what it is that they're capable of doing by looking at what they've already achieved. But that's just the first step. While it's a great starting place to see what's possible, you want to quickly move beyond what you've achieved to focus on what it took to reach it, right? Because if you just focus on the achievements, another weird thing can happen in your brain. Your brain may think, well, looking at that list, that's all I can possibly do. And so when you try to do something that's different than that list, your brain may get confused and say, no, you can't do it. So you just don't want to focus on the list of achievements. You want to use it as a starting place to power up your mind, to start believing in yourself, to really see what it is that you were able to accomplish before. Instead, though, you want to focus on what you had to do to get it, how you needed to grow. What fears did you have to face? What doubts did you have to eradicate to reach that amazing list of accomplishments that you've achieved? Now, when you're faced with something new, It won't be scary or doubtful or daunting because you'll know you've done it before. You know you've gone through challenging times, that you've gone through time-consuming projects, that you've done things before and you could do them again, right? When you're faced with something new, our brain immediately goes like, oh my God, how can I do it? But going back to look at that list and how you've already overcome the new and challenging will show you and teach your brain that you can absolutely do it again. You'll begin to see that fear doesn't prevent self-confidence, but the unwillingness to feel the fear and move past it, that's the thing that will prevent the self-confidence. It's not about gritting your teeth and white-knuckling your way through it, like I said. Instead, it's about building a foundation of sure-footedness to have and get what you want, trusting yourself to persevere even when things are challenging and difficult, because they will be. As you look at that list of things that you've accomplished, they weren't all easy. It required something of you to get there, and that's what you need to focus on. That builds the foundation. Those are the building blocks of self-confidence. Now, in the last podcast, I shared that this is my about fourth entrepreneurial venture. And what makes this one successful and sustainable is the shift in that good enough narrative that I had for so many years and my ability to believe there are no limits to what I can do and who I can become inside my business. In my previous attempts, I tried to push through, I tried to white knuckle and grit and bear my way through the fear, but my thoughts of, well, what if I fail, or I should have started this when I was younger, or can I ever make more than what I'm making in my job, and is this crazy to do something like this, and can I actually make it happen, and most businesses fail, and who do you think you are, and all of that kept creeping in and kept me from achieving what I wanted to do. I kept in the safety of my employer because fundamentally in the depths of me, I didn't believe it was possible. So as soon as I heard any naysayers or had any doubts about it, I quickly folded because I believed that that was true because I didn't have the self-confidence. This time around, however, I knew I had to drop that shitty thinking. 
I looked at my past achievements of negotiating multi-million dollar contracts, successfully trying uh, cases of sexual harassment and employment discrimination against billion dollar institutions, and coaching executives, CEOs, and the like on the strategic direction of their organizations. And to bolster my self-confidence and belief in myself, I had to sit back and look at all that. And not just that I achieved it, but what did it take for me to get over it? I just I just didn't wake up one morning and say I could negotiate a multi-million dollar contract. It took me time to get there. So I had to go back and relive what was it that got me over the hump to sit at that table and have that negotiation and work through those deals to prep for trials, to to talk with other leaders who were at the time twice my age, you know, about settling cases and negotiating um, agreements or talking to CEOs and chief officers of organizations about who they hire, shouldn't hire and the, and the strategic direction of the organization. I had to see like, what took me, what did I have to do to get there? When I look back, I can clearly see that my success grew when I got over the I'll show you syndrome and started to believe and trust my ability to figure things out, to work through fear, learn what I don't know, and to get it done without the need for validation or approval. And when I started believing that I could do hard things and succeed, when I knew that I was worthy and good enough, that's when everything changed for me. That's why seven years in, I'm still doing this work and still growing and still up-leveling and still succeeding. It's kind of like that line in Megan Trainor's song, Me Too, another one of my little theme songs that I love. But there's a line where she says, this is the chorus, where she said, I thank God every day that I woke up feeling this way. I can't help loving myself and I don't need nobody else. And I love that because what she's saying is, I don't need others to validate me. Like, I love me, I know what I'm capable of, and I don't need others to validate what I already know to be true about me. So what do you believe about yourself? What do you believe is possible for you? If you don't believe in your brilliance, you won't be able to accept others telling you you're brilliant, particularly if you're consumed with your own lack of self-confidence and doubt. But there's a pathway to the other side. There's a pathway. There's a way out, my sister. And you can start by listing out the things that you've accomplished and achieved to start to shift that energy and train your brain to see that you've already done unprecedented, unexpected, challenging and hard things, that you got this, that you are capable of so much more, that you don't need other people's ideas and approval or validation to do what you've done. That's not what got you those things before on that list. Then what you want to do is to focus on what it took to get you there. What did you need to do? What did you overcome? How did you have to grow? What did you have to learn? Who did you have to become to achieve those things? You've done it before. So guess what? You can absolutely overcome and do it again. Then just rinse and repeat. You'll see that since you've already developed self-confidence in one season or area of your life, you can now apply it to what comes next. Now, another tool you can use to help bolster your self-confidence is fine-tuning your image. And as a certified image consultant and brand strategist, I use this to help my clients strengthen their confidence through what they wear. It's really a powerful tool. 
Psychologists have proven that what you wear can profoundly alter your mood, stimulate your mind, enhance your self-worth, and make you feel more confident and powerful. So learning how to leverage your wardrobe is an easy and effective way to fortify your self-confidence. The list, your image, use these tools to help raise the energy vibration to start helping you to see that you've been able to do so much more in the past, then focused in on what it took to get over so that you can start expanding what's possible for you in your future and build the foundation and the building blocks for your self-confidence. That's how you build confidence. While I've said before that confidence is a verb, it helps to do the actions, but confidence is a feeling that's generated by your thoughts. And your thoughts are the beliefs that you have in yourself. Your thoughts about yourself is what bolsters your self-confidence. Your belief in your capability of what you can achieve in the future will bolster your self-confidence. That's the work you need to do. Ready to build your self-confidence and get what you want? I invite you to fill out an application and join us in the Career Rebel Academy and immediately start jumping into this work. It is the foundation and core of stepping into the next iteration of yourself and the next iteration of what you want to do. And there are details in the show notes on how to do that. That's it for me today, Rebels. Now go out there and level up that self-confidence. Thank you so much for joining me. And until next time, have an amazingly rebellious week. If you're loving what you're learning on the podcast, then you've got to come check out the Career Rebel Academy. It's where you'll get the individual help and support you need applying the concepts and strategies you're learning here and so much more. You'll be joined by a community of other rebels just like you, and I'll be there as your guide every step of the way. If you're genuinely looking to change the course of your life and career, I promise you, this is the place you'll want to be. Just go to www.carolparkerwalsh.com forward slash career dash rebel dash academy. I can't wait to see you there.